0: Hey, friends, welcome back to another edition of the Flip It On It's Head podcast. I'm your host, Reese and I've got such a fun guest on to discuss an incredibly serious topic, Kelly Knighton Huff, who by trade is a theater actress, but whose love of civics, politics, and all things voting-related has morphed into her having a vibrant social media presence that she uses to not just espouse the importance of participating in elections by voting, but also as a fierce voting rights and access advocate. What started as a blog on her MySpace page way back in the day, shout out to Tom, my first MySpace friend, if you know, you know, which gave her the opportunity to share with others vital information, not just about candidates and issues on ballots, but on the very workings of elections and how a lack of participation, even in small numbers, can have monumental effects on how we live our day to day lives. As an African-American woman, her interest in voting rights dialed up a notch when a freshman senator from Illinois jumped into the 2008 presidential race. And after the election of Barack Obama, she noticed that the normal level of political discourse had taken not just corrosive turns, but conspiracy theories began to find their way into the mix, especially on Facebook and Twitter. Never one to back down from a fight for what's right, Kelly took it upon herself to learn more and more about things like our electoral college, off-year congressional elections, gubernatorial races, and how those affect state legislatures. And what she discovered was she was having a very King Lear-like experience, shouting facts into the wind, her facts finding no purchase, and she didn't like it. So she decided to go and meet the people where they are, and started a TikTok handle, and began to make videos about voting. That's how I discovered her. One of her TikToks made its way to Instagram, and I saw her reel. Check out some of her flow.
1: On everything, y'all. We don't have to agree. We can disagree. Everybody has different life experiences and ways that they process things, so we're not going to agree 100% of the time. Uh, But I will say that if you disagree with me, the way you disagree with me will dictate my response to you. Also, I don't know the amount of work and research, critical and analytical reasoning that people put into their thoughts before they share them in public on this app. But please understand that I put a lot. So if you come at me with something that hasn't been well thought out or you come at me with something with easily refutable receipts, I'm going to destroy you. Probably not destroy you. I'll just block you. But I'm going to tell your ass about yourself first, ho. (laughs)
0: Oh, man, I tell you, I was hooked. I loved her honesty, her rawness, and her obvious patriotism, and others have been too. She's got over a quarter of a million followers on TikTok, and some of her videos have had north of a million views. Now, Kelly is not everyone's cup of tea. She's clearly a progressive liberal. She's woke, and the real woke, okay? Not woke as in an excuse to make your anti-Semitism seem righteous, and she believes, like a lot of Americans, that since the election of Ronald Reagan in 1980, the Republican Party has taken a turn towards illiberalism and fostered policies meant to hamper the growth, success, and progress of black and brown communities, Latinos, women, the LGBTQ plus community, and voters from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Now, why this is important to me is I'm one of the Americans who agrees with her. Anyone who's listened to this podcast shouldn't be surprised to learn this, but if you're new here, I'll share that I, too, am a liberal progressive who has been alive just long enough to see the grand old party morph from the party of Lincoln to a personality cult, only interested in a reorder of our democratic republic using fascist tactics. So to connect with someone like Kelly, who isn't a political scientist, holds no degrees in public policy, nor has she worked on a campaign— Just be a citizen who knows her stuff and be willing to share it with others was an opportunity I was not going to pass up. But before we get to my guest, I have a program note and a point of personal privilege. Next week, I'm starting a new job. As listeners here know, I'm an insurance professional. I specialize in sales training and leadership development, and I'm really excited to start working for an up-and-coming insurance company to help them grow a new division they have in a market space I'm incredibly familiar with. My new job is likely to keep me very busy, but fear not, because not only is my new boss a fan of this podcast, uh, but I've been encouraged to continue hosting Flip It On Its Head. Now, I'm more than likely going down to one episode a month, and I hope regular listeners will stick with me through this change. Also, a disclaimer that the views expressed on Flip It On Its Head are solely those of myself and my guests and are in no way associated, nor do they reflect the views of my employer never thought I'd have to issue a disclaimer on my show, but you know, this is a season for everything, right? Thanks for your supporting and your understanding. Honestly, doing this podcast has just been good for my soul. So let's do it. After the break, voting rights advocate and TikTok sensation Kelly Knight and Huff on the Flip It On Its Head podcast. Well, I tell you, it is a banner day on flip it on its head. My very first saw her on the interwebs <laughs> guest and got her in the seat. I am thrilled to welcome Kelly Knighten Huff yes. to the pod. I am pleased that you are here. You have knocked me right down with what I with what I like to say has been your incredibly vociferous uh, uh, (laughs) case uh, for voting, but really on a more broader scale. Like You seem to me like a warrior for civics. So I want to start kind of at the start. Did you ever take a civics class when you were in primary school, middle school, or high school?
1: I did. I did. I had civics in high school. It was our 10th grade year. Um, and my civics teacher was actually a gay black man. So I think the the avenues that he took to explain things to us and the approach he took to it made it a lot more about equality and about justice and about the technicalities of what goes on in this country and who's affected by that? I think, you know, I, I had someone who had a vantage point that explained things to me in a way that let me know, hey, if you want things to change in this country or you want people to have rights in this country, you got to participate. So that kind of stuck with me you know, throughout all my life. And here we are. <laughs>
0: and and uh, you know, it's important that when you learn stuff, learning from somebody that has a lived experience that can inform the thing that they're also trying to convey to you, uh, That that's mm-hmm. kind of like a twofer right there, which is amazing. Uh, now you grew up in Louisiana. I did, yes. uh, which I'm glad they're teaching civics in Louisiana because let's face it, when when Huey Long was around, that
1: listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> it's a wild time, it's a wild time, and don't forget about Edwin Edwards either. Like he was cool, but it uh, it was a li- I- it was a little mess going
0: on. I, I feel like Louisiana has this special brand of oh corruption that they kind it's of, the they make all their own.
1: It's a gumbo of criminality, <laughs> is what it is. That's what it is. Oh. Growing up in the South, growing up surrounded by all that, you know, like if you're not involved or you don't want to get involved, you're not paying attention. Mm. <laughs> like, you're, you're not paying attention if you look at what goes on in the Louisiana legislature and don't immediately go, we got to do something to fix this. So yeah, yeah. it's it, it's wild down there. Uh, to, and- to
0: say the least. Uh, now, uh, mm-hmm. the reason why I asked and highlighted where you grew up. So I grew up in New York City and 12 mm-hmm. years of a New York City public school education. I never once took a civics class. Down in Louisiana, they, they could have stopped teaching that.
1: Well, I think they have. Uh,
0: that, that they pulled the <laughs> plug think- on it.
1: Yeah, I think they, I think they have rolled it back a little bit. Um, Bobby Jindal was a cancer to our education system mm-hmm. in Louisiana. So when he started all the machinations that he started, everything went down education wise. And I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it depends on the school you go to now whether or not you have civics. It's very sad
0: uh and of course you're referencing former louisiana governor uh republican bobby jindal and he was part of that first wave of anti-democratic small d uh republicans Mm -hmm. in this sort of march towards voter suppression but i don't want to get ahead of ourselves so uh you know i bring up that my my lived experience growing up uh in new york city to immigrant parents Understanding where they were from, particularly my father, who came from Iran, Uh, when he left, it was a monarchy. While we were living in the United States, our lives were completely turned upside down by the Islamist revolution in Iran in 1979, which then turned into a theocracy. My parents had a profound understanding of what a democracy takes to continue to thrive. And they instilled in me that you vote. Yeah, (laughs) you you bear that you absolutely you know, you use your social media presence to talk so much about voting. Can you please share when you started putting a focus on politics, voting, voter suppression and how it morphed over the years to you having the social media presence that you have where you almost exclusively focus on, especially coming up in a dual election year, the reasons to vote.
1: Yeah. So I started when social media was, you know, spanking new and shiny and untainted by Twitter. (laughs) Back in the MySpace days, in the olden days, I used to do little blogs on MySpace about politics because that also coincided with the time that Barack Hussein Obama was uh, running for president. So I would do little blogs about, you know, why it's important for everyone to participate. I was very active in um the push to get Obama elected like i was doing the calls from my uh computer and do every every other post i'm doing it's something about him because you know he was one of the first uh politicians who had social media at his disposal so i've always been interested in politics like i've always my grandmother was 75 years old when i got here so she would be Watching C-SPAN all day, watching the news all day, yelling back at the TV about these people. And as you highlighted, in Louisiana there was a lot to yell about. <laughs> so that I think is where I picked up the bug about it. Like I literally had a little diary when I was in elementary school mm. I used to write in, and I had a few entries in there about Ronald Reagan and how terrible of a person he was.
0: Oh my. <laughs>
1: that, that's that's something for an eight-year-old to be fixated on, right? But you know, that's just what it was. So all through the years, I've been interested in politics when I was on tour because I do performing arts and people would always like, they would be, "What wait, what's going on? You know, asking questions because a lot of people just aren't into it. I was like an avid Daily Show watcher. I was reading books and all these things about how George Bush was, you know, ruining the country and the weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist, all those things. I've always been tuned into politics, but I really started using my social media platform as the vehicle to reach people probably more in the Obama years. And then I went full bore on it during 2015, 2016. Participation is, I think, our biggest hurdle in politics. I fully believe and 100% people should be able to vote for whomever they want to vote for. Right. But we are at a point in our democracy where democracy itself is in danger. And so I think pointing that out and letting people know, listen, this isn't a game anymore. This isn't a you know passive thing that you can just leave to everyone else. We all have a responsibility and we all have to save democracy or none of us are going to be able to participate in democracy ever again. When you look at the numbers, I was shocked and appalled that only 40, the highest that we've had, the highest participation that we've had in our midterm elections is 49%. That's not even half. Like, I know it's very close to half, but it is not half. In a numerical sense, that is not the majority, that is the minority. So if the minority of people are participating in our uh, legislative system, then the minority are the ones who are making the rules and making the laws and telling us how we are going to live legally in this country. And that's just, that's not right. Yeah. That's not how anything works.
0: <laughs> we we certainly struggle as a country with minority rule. I'm certain yes. the founders had incredible intent when they put a focus on creating this democratic republic with, mm-hmm. with an electoral process. But minority rule has definitely revealed itself to be more of a problem than I think the founders might've intended. Uh, yes, you talk about how uh, trying to highlight the fact that as a country we don't turn out for the elections uh, that matter, and let's let's face it, all of them matter. Now you mentioned the numbers on off-year elections. Were you talking about that forty-nine percent? Were those for an off-year election or during a presidential yes. election?
1: No, those are off-year elections. Those are the midterms. So every two years after the president is elected, there's a complete drop in voter participation. Mm. So I want to say, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I will say that the highest I think we've had turnout for a presidential election is like 62. For that to drop down to 49%, you're losing 20% of the people who came out and put someone in the executive branch. They're not participating to put people in the legislative branch to assist that person. That became very evident in 2010. In 2010, because that was the off year after 2008, when we got Barack Obama into office in 2010, no one showed up to give him the house. And so then that's when we started dealing with, well, our legislators who decided to be obstructionists and Mitch McConnell got on national television and admitted to such. He said, our only goal is to make Obama a one-term president. And they literally block everything that man tried to do.
0: I remember when the senator from Kentucky, you are talking about the Senate minority leader, Republican Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. Yes. Uh, and I remember watching that and thinking, that's your priority? Making the, that's your priority? the first black president a one-term president? And I thought to myself, well, they could do that if they want to. What it highlighted for me was the troublesome aspect of the undercurrent of racism around yes. the election of the first black president yes. uh you know somebody somewhere had said president obama needed to win a second term for a lot of reasons not the least of which was to continue to foster the policies that so many americans were interested in seeing him get done but also you know, the nightmare scenario of the first african american wins the presidency and then goes up for reelection, loses, and gives every person that would never have voted for him the ability to say, oh, see, well, we tried with the black guy. They can't do it, right? They can't do it. So let's not try that again, right?
1: And also, you know, what Barack Obama's ascendance to the presidency of the United States did was it was a very very big chink in the armor of the lie of white supremacy that a lot of people in this country have wrapped themselves in they have told themselves that white people by and large have a right to think that they are better than everyone else have a right to command people to live how they want them to live like regardless of your religion regardless of your sexual orientation regardless of your culture what we want you to do here is what you're going to do honestly it's it's a type of oppression that people don't necessarily recognize right because it's an oppression that you may be willingly participating in but it's still not helping you like i talk about the 53% of white women who vote for the republican party who want to take your rights away, where you're participating in your own oppression. You may not recognize it because your proximity to the majority race in this country makes you think you have a power that you don't, but you are literally helping these people tell you how to live, and it's just because that's the way they want you to live. You don't have autonomy over your own body. You don't have autonomy over your own choices. So you are essentially oppressing yourself because you believe in a lie that because of what, whatever content of melanin you have in your skin, it makes you inherently a better person. And it's like, this is madness. It needs to stop. Let's, and let's play the game of politics the way it needs to be played, which is these people are our employees and we have requirements of them. They need to fulfill them because my taxes pay your salary. And if you do not fulfill the things that I need you to fulfill in two years, I'm coming back to fire you.
0: After the break, Kelly and I dive into the weeds on party platforms, the degeneration of the Republican Party, and the truly useless, almost Sisyphean reality of third-party presidential runs. You're listening to the Flip It On Its Head podcast. This is precisely at the heart of what you spend so much time focusing on with your social channels. Uh by the way, if yeah. uh, for those listening, if uh, if you haven't realized yet, you better get comfortable being uncomfortable <laughs> because we're going to be talking about some uncomfortable mess on yeah, flip it on its head today. Truth. Yes, there are hard, hard there are time. hard truths. I've had a handful of people over the course of my life say you know, when I espouse stuff like this, wow, it sounds like you're wrestling with a lot of white guilt. I said I might be if I was a white person, but I mean, I don't, <laughs> right, I don't know right. how to help you other than to live in a world where you can examine something as objectively as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors will always tell you you can't solve the problem until you diagnose it first. Uh,
1: that is absolutely correct, and you
0: are doing a lot of diagnosis. So now. Will you spend some time talking about what your experience has been since you shifted from blog posts to active engagement via social? I'm sure you started on Twitter, Ooh. but your your <laughs> big your the biggest bang for your buck right now you're getting on TikTok. And what has that engagement been like?
1: Well, well, actually, I planted seeds on MySpace. I actually avoided Twitter for a very long time because. I'm, you know, I am a wordy person, if you will. Like I used to write blogs. I had my own blog site, all these things. So I, well, let me preface it with this. I am, unfortunately, (laughs) in my Pollyanna sense, I think that the more information people have, the better choices that they can make. I, I might be thinking that ignorantly, but it's what I think, and it's what I really feel and really believe. So I used to put out all these blog posts with, you know, all this information and all this stuff. And, you know, depending on the length of it, back in the day, people did actually read, you know, all that stuff. So people would make comments. And, you know, even if you disagree with me on a point, if you could show me facts to, you know, persuade me or dissuade me, then fine, we can go back and forth. But... As social media evolved and, you know, with more and more comments, I, you know, I, I hate to say it like this because it sounds very bad, but I don't mean it in the way I say it. But when Facebook was opened up to everyone, not just people who had college email addresses, that's when things started going bonkers. <laughs> it, it started going crazy. Like every random garden variety opinion there was started coming like at first we were just having regular discourse and then it exploded into because I think it because I feel it it is right it is the truth and I'm gonna say it you know so it my husband used to <laughs> he used to hate it when I would be on Facebook and he would hear those keys he would would walk in the room and go, Oh Lord, here she goes. Somebody, somebody said something. (laughs) So, you know, I would, I would try my best. I would link things. I would, you know, give all kinds of charts and data and all these things to try to prove my point and to let people know I'm not over here just talking out of the side of my neck. Like I, these are, these are actual facts. And, you know, as, my education, my primary education was science. Like, you know, once upon a time I thought I was going to go to medical school and be a doctor. So my degree is in biology pre-med. So I am a scientist by training. And so, like you said earlier, you know, you have to find things out. You have to look at things objectively. And in science, if the facts don't support it, that it, it's not a thing you know, it's not a thing. It's not real if the facts aren't supporting it. And so that is how I approached all of my political conversations. Everybody doesn't do that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody everybody doesn't care about
0: facts.
1: So, yeah, like, you know, that and that ushered in after Obama, because especially I will say this around 2012, there's, you know, there's lines of demarcation. And around 2012, when Donald Trump, who I hate to say his name, I call him orange, D. I call him all kinds of things. But you know, to be to keep it cute on the podcast today, I'll just use his name. So when Donald Trump started the birth or nonsense against Obama, that's when a lot of the political discourse on social media started going completely off the rails. And I experienced that a lot. Like, I I had this man's birth certificate saved to my laptop, Mm. you know, like because you had to combat people and you had to send it in the message and be like, look at this. This is the fact. What are you talking about? It's been a wild journey on social media uh, because, like I said, there's a lot of people with microphones, but a lot of people don't like facts. So it's a very... It's a very dangerous mix there. Well,
0: I will certainly chime in uh, with my level of expertise. Uh, you shared earlier how the hard work you do uh, on your social channels is not your me-tay, uh, per se. Uh, you are right. a performer. Uh, and uh, yeah. and you and I, a big shout-out to uh, Brianna Parham. Yay, Bri! I cannot wait for that woman to win a Tony Award. Yes, ma'am. Yes, <laughs> uh, but she, it's coming. She is a uh, she is a Broadway actress. She's one of our shared dear friends friends. You, uh, you and she have worked together uh, before. She's who actually connected me to you. But you are a performer. You're a trained uh, theater person. I am an insurance professional. Everyone who listens to this knows I don't get paid to do this gig. I, I love You're podcasting. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I am in sales training and leadership development in the insurance industry. It's a really good job. I'm very good at it. I love my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing I can That's tell awesome. you doing this job for low the last 12 years is facts don't matter if they yeah. i tell my charges all the time if the facts mattered you could walk through the door with a brochure and crush it in insurance sales have you noticed that when you try to read a brochure their eyes go dead it's the same yeah. thing <laughs> you try to hit people with facts about something that they are feeling and the mm-hmm. facts will evaporate add to that a level of misinformation and disinformation particularly oh leading gosh. up to the 2016 election and we, we find ourselves adrift on the wide Sargasso Sea because we're practically tilting at windmills. I know I have mixed yeah. my my literary metaphors there. That, but,
1: that's okay. But, <laughs> Don Quixote, it's
0: fine. But thank you for, for, for <laughs> I, I feel seen. You you are out there, you said you were out there trying to hit people with facts to the point where you kept the former president's birth certificate on file and none of it mattered. So none of it when that hit you, when that realization hit you, what gear did you shift into as you started to make more and more videos to share with people about the importance of voting and what they, what they really were not
1: getting? So that, and you know, to, to piggyback on the title of your podcast, that's when I had to flip it. I had to, I had to figure out what connects with people. What you know, because the fact uh, like you said, facts don't matter anymore. Facts do not matter. So you have to hit people in the fields and you have to connect on a level where they feel like they can actually do something about the wrong that they're experiencing. So that's when I started shifting into trying to explain the mechanics of our legislative system and also reminding people like I've been saying it over and over and over again and I, You know, I I can't stop saying, like, these people are our employees. These people are our employees. These people are our employees. They literally work for us. Our taxes literally pay for their salary, their health care, and their pension if they keep the job for five years. And, you know, like, when I found out that they get a pension after five years, I was like the little, like, there's a little meme where the little angry man in his head blows up. I was like, what? Five years? Are you kidding me? Uh They get a pension after five years. And like, at the end of the day, that's just two election cycles for the people in the House. Mm. Like, yes, the Senate is six years, but the president is four. It's two, four, six. House members are two years. The president is four years. Senate is six. So- Every two years, somebody is getting, you know, is up for renewal. You know, all this talk about term limits. Baby, we are the term limits, (laughs) but we do not, (laughs) we don't exercise our power. So that's when I tried to start flipping how we look at it and go, listen, if you put the power in the people's hands and if you let people know that. This isn't something that's hopeless or helpless or, you know, the government's just going to do what the government does and all these things. You actually have power here. And I try to explain that to people. A lot of people, you know, buck back at it still and they go, well, they're just going to do what they want to do anyway. And so the way I approach that, I go, so you just don't want to try. So if that's the case, you can't ever say that they do whatever they want to do because they do what you let them do. Mm. And uh, there are a few people who, you know, you see the light bulb go off like, oh, wait, I am just laying down and taking this. It's a responsibility that I, I have no one to blame but myself if I don't participate. And if I don't participate, I don't have a right to criticize any of this because I could have been one of the ones who helped it not happen. So like in, um, in Cato Parish in Louisiana, I recently read that the sheriff's race down there came down to one vote.
0: Oh my.
1: One vote. Wow. One. It sounds very cliche when we say every vote matters, but every vote matters. That's how it works in a zero sum game. A lot of people don't necessarily accept that about our legislative system, but it is a a zero sum game. So whoever gets the most points wins. The only way you can defeat somebody is to get more points than them. So if you don't participate or if you throw your vote to a third party or someone you know who's not going to win, you're literally helping the other person win.
0: Oh, well, we are going to talk about third-party candidates like uh, RFK Jr. and Jill Stein and Joe Manchin. And I'm (laughs) I'm prefacing so that your head doesn't explode off your shoulders when (laughs) when we do talk about those numbskulls. But you're talking about voter participation, right? Uh, and, yeah. and and the importance of people understanding. I love the way you explained it. It's a zero-sum game. There were polls that were shared this morning. John Delavopi, he's the Harvard Institute of Politics director of polling. 18 to 29-year-olds likely to vote, uh, polled this year in the fall of 2023, total 49% said they were planning on voting. That's down from 57% in the fall of 2019. It breaks down like this. Young Democrats are going to show up. Uh, The difference is negligible there. Uh, But independents, 41% of uh, 18 to 29-year-old independents in 2019 said they would show up and the and the numbers definitely bear that out down to 31%. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something specific I know that's happening with young voters right now. But mm-hmm. when you talk about young people in voting, when you make videos uh, on on TikTok and on your YouTube channel What are some of the things that you are trying to tell them and talk about some of the engagement you get back? Because I know you, I know you can get comments on there when, when (laughs) when you talk to the kids, what are you telling them and what are you getting back?
1: I'm trying to impart on them that they have the power to shape their future I really, like, I really try to let them know, I know it looks bad. I know it looks grim, but nothing changes if nothing changes. And if we don't increase our participation, it's not going to get better. So you have, like, and I, I just try my best to explain it to them in that way and go, listen, you can, you can, you know, moan and groan about everything that's going on in our political system, but if you don't get out there and participate, if you don't, you know, at the very least, know who you're voting for, you know, because that's the other thing too, right? Like a lot of people get disillusioned with the party system and everything because they're like, these parties are going to do what they want and they control everything, deep state this and deep state that. And it's like, I personally believe that the parties were created to make our lives easier to go, okay, we're going to vet these people and we're going to put this person up because they match all the qualifications that, you know and all the platform that our party stands for that doesn't necessarily mean that is the person that you have to support however you what you have to do is look at it holistically and see what the platform of that party is trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and you know a lot of kids don't even know what a party platform is they're like what does that even mean and i'm like well they are required to let you know what they stand for, what they're going to support legally and what they're going to oppose legally. And those things affect your life. I was and what I do with the kids is marijuana. Like that's <laughs> that that's the issue that makes their ears perk up. Start
0: with the thing <laughs> that they are concerned about the most.
1: Exactly. You got to meet the people where they are. <laughs> so I'll talk about marijuana and I'm like, you know, don't you think it's strange that, you know, you could go to Colorado and get as high as you want, but then if you come to Louisiana with it, you might go to jail. Like, don't you think that is weird for you to not, even, like, what happened to Brittany Griner when she went over to Russia? Mm. Like, obviously it's a different country, but I explain it in the state sense. I'm like, it's the same thing. Different states have different laws. So if you want the laws that run your life and that have potential to literally affect the rest of your life, like putting you in jail or like, you know, stopping you from doing something that is harmless 500 miles away, you know, you have to participate. I was like, all of these things, everything that we do in this country is controlled by the law. The law is the only thing we all have agreed on. And if you're not putting in your say, you're allowing other people to choose for you.
0: Yeah, and and look, we'll set aside for the moment the how the application of laws can disproportionately affect people of color, women, Absolutely. you know, blacks, Latinos, the whole the whole thing. Uh, but you bring up an incredibly salient point that party platforms are shared; they are put forth because they have uh, parties have a legal responsibility to share with voters so that they can make an informed decision about where they mm-hmm. want to bring their vote. The issues that don't get addressed during one presidential term. It's this vicious cycle. Because there are so many young people that are expressing this disillusionment with President Biden uh, because, well, Mm -hmm. he said he was going to do something about wiping out college debt. And all I'm thinking is, Mm -hmm. yeah, where do you live? Oh, you live in Ohio. Did you vote for J.D. Vance? Hmm. Here's the thing. (laughs) Do you ever get information back on your social channels uh, from people in states like Texas, Ohio, where they had viable Alternatives to the people that wound up going uh, either back to the Senate in the case of Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, say what you will about Beto O'Rourke. My goodness, he almost made it a single issue campaign about oh guns gosh. in the wake of what happened in Uvalde. In Uval- and that upper lipless Frank Burns mother jumper, Ted Cruz. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he is, he's just the Frank Burns of the U.S. Senate and it, I, he's, terrible. he's just he's a the, terrible person. He's the worst. What do you get back from people when you, when they say, well, I live in this state. Can you recall any like interactions with people on your social channels from specific states? Because you make a really good point, man, I get, I could get weed in Colorado, California, but if I'm going, if I'm going to jazz fest, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to want to leave my stuff at home.
1: Yeah, and if you don't, you might get in trouble, you know? So what I what I have gotten back, I've, I've never gotten anyone that has admitted to voting for, you know, the opposition, but I do get a lot of people that go, well, he's been in office for so long, my vote isn't going to count. I tell people all the time, like, to your point about how long this stuff takes, and it's, you know, over and over and over again, these people are voting for things that just aren't coming to fruition I, when I tell young people that, you know, the Montgomery bus boycott went on for a year, like a solid year, like 300, I want to say it was like 370 something days, it, was, it was
0: just north of a year. You're absolutely right. Yeah.
1: and And they look at me, they go, what do you mean a year? I was like, people were walking to work in the rain, in the sleet, in the hail. I don't know if there's snow ever in Alabama, but you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? The weather, all of the weather conditions, they sacrificed. It took them so long. They had to get up. Hours before they had to be somewhere because they could not use the public transportation. People didn't have cars. I was like, and they did this for over a calendar year. Their minds are blown. I don't want to say it's disheartening speaking to the youth, but it's a challenge because the youth have to care about something in order to participate. And the things that they care about right now don't necessarily look like they're translating in legislative action. So a lot of them are despondent. A lot of them do not want to participate anymore. And it's like, but you only participated once, baby. Like you got to do it over and over and over again. It's like, like going to the you gym. Keep... Right. It's like going to the gym. You got to keep working and keep working. But when you're telling somebody that and they have to go through the trouble of getting off of work and going to stand in a line to vote, you know, for hours because they live in a a section of the country that's trying to disenfranchise people who look like them, you know, it, the The payoff, the end, doesn't justify the means to them. Yeah, it's a hard sell with the youth, but they got to care about something. If you find what they care about, you can convince them to participate.
0: Well, you've said so much, and you know some of the things you touched on uh, include like cognitive bias, recency bias. Yeah. Uh, you know yes. the plague and scourge of immediacy. <sighs> it makes me think of oh, God bless her. I miss her so much. The late great Carrie Fisher, when she wrote, "Instant gratification takes too long." Yeah, And you also bring up the specter that if they're not already in a state that is trying to limit access to the ballot box, you know, I live in the South now. I live just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, but my family and I moved here from Southern California. I'm thinking of an old colleague of mine. She is in her mid thirties now. She's someone I love. I I won't name check her, but she's amazing. She's, you know, she's still a friend. When I was talking about the election, the midterm election of 2018, she said, well, I don't vote. And I said, "That is fascinating. Tell me yeah. why." I didn't want to jump up and down on her head,
1: right? Uh, right but I right. said,
0: "Tell me why." She said, "You know, I have to go to a place to do it. Like I have to yeah. leave home and go to a place." Now, you and I grew up, man. Like my mom took me to the school, yeah. and closed the curtain behind her and, and did the thing and pull the lever and, yeah. and pull the <laughs> lever. Exactly. There is a generation of people that are so used to having everything in the palm of their hand that the specter of going out to participate in an electoral process is anathema to them.
1: That's right. And that's exactly right. And
0: there's, there's not going to be a, you'll be able to vote on your phone because that's not secure. But when we talk about election security, the the 2020 election was the most secure election we have had in the history of our country. And yet the misinformation and and disinformation about it, I know that that's what you're trying to combat. Can you talk about some of the videos you've made about the BS that's out there flying around and trying to just shoot people straight on how their vote does matter, their vote does count, and don't listen to what you are getting from fools that are saying, like, discount Mussolini still talking about the the 2020 election, but everyone else talking about how, you know, just building on his legacy of, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged.
1: It's just, it seems um, contradictory and it seems hypocritical when I say you can't believe everybody on the internet, but I'm an everybody on the internet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's like, you can't believe everybody on the internet, even me. Um, But what I try to do, I try to give people tangibles because I feel as though even in this era of misinformation and technology, there is still... That you can't a done bun can't be undone you know so once I show you the done bun you can't then tell me that's not done so now you have to either resort to you know changing the subject or changing the topic or attacking me on some other level which proves my point you know I try to methodically and logically attack misinformation but as you well know that doesn't work with everyone because they they're going to believe what they want to believe and i i have it has been a struggle it has been something i i have resisted time and time again it has been something that my poor husband bless his heart <laughs> he has tried to disabuse me <laughs> of the notion um but i i have finally gotten to a point where and i hate to do it but when i identify a lost cause i have to let it go Like, I have to let it go. If you're going to argue with me over nonsense when I've given you supreme facts, I literally just have to let it go. And sometimes, especially in the comment section, they end up arguing with themselves. Because I have said what I've said and I'm done with it now, honey. And they will write diatribes in the comment section and you know on facebook it used to be you when you see that little see more and you (laughs) click it and the thing takes up you're like oh my god (laughs) what is this (laughs) i didn't sign up for this i'm not reading this but but you know on tiktok it's different because tiktok limits the amount of characters that you can leave in a comment Uh. so when you open up your comments on tiktok if I see the same icon like <laughs> down my screen the whole time, I literally, sometimes I, I'm not proud of it, but sometimes like if I read it and it starts off and I know that they're on some BS, I literally, I just go to their page, block. Mm. I'm not even reading this. I hate to do that because I have, I it hasn't been a lot. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to act like, you know, I'm like the political whisperer over here, but there have been people whose minds have actually been changed in a conversation on social media. People say, "Oh, you're so fiery." Oh, you—you you know, some people are like you're mean. Or, th- I honestly, in in my heart of hearts, I hate to admit it, but I am a little bit of a Pollyanna. I believe in the the inherent goodness of people. I believe that we, if we work together, if we do things properly, we can fix things. I believe that we can all have what we deserve in this country. Like we can move this country towards the justice that we deserve if we just participate, which is why I go so hard about participation.
0: Thank goodness for your husband, because he sounds like he's <laughs> he sounds like he's guarding your soul.
1: He is, bless but- <laughs> Bless him. I listen. I appreciate him so much because I know he, he's tired of me. <laughs> he tired. He, he he is tired. He he's in here when I'm making these TikToks. Bless him. That's all I can say. Y'all pray for my husband because he puts up with so much. He puts up with so much. Uh, with so well, much you and I, just I just are like, definitely
0: uh, if th- if there's a club for people who who married well and up, you and I are in that club. Amen. I want to bring up two things that are uh, going to affect the upcoming election. The first continues on the theme of voter participation. I had saved the quote somewhere and I couldn't find it before you and I sat down, but a leader of the Palestinian American community is on record saying, well, unless Joe Biden can go back in time and bring some dead Palestinians back to life, I'm not gonna vote for him and neither are the people I talk to. Uh, The horror that is unfolding in the middle east uh in gaza right now with the uh the war that israel is conducting on hamas is causing ripple effects not the least of which is a paramount concern is the untold number of dead civilians in gaza lest we forget what happened on october 7th i have made no bones of the fact that i stand with israel and the people of israel And I can do that while also completely understanding that Benjamin Netanyahu is just a smart Donald Trump and that son of a bitch should be in jail.
1: That's right. Yes. That is 100% right.
0: But that's doing nothing to dissuade these young Palestinian-American and young Arab-Americans that are so upset about what is happening that they are planning Mm -hmm. on taking it out on the election next year. And, And it pains me to say that Representative Rashida Tlaib made a video uh, basically saying, well, next election, we are taking our our vote someplace else. She said that to the president. And I thought to myself, you're a leader in your community. The alternative is not viable. Uh, What have you been ruminating on or even seeing when it comes to how the Israel-Hamas war is likely to impact voter turnout here.
1: I fear that it is definitely going to depress the youth vote because like I said earlier, when you give the youth something to care about, that's what turns them out. But if you're going against something they care about, you're going to have non-participation, which in its, you know, it's a cutting off your nose to spite your face situation though. And what I'm trying to do is help them see that. Mm. Now, I know that there are people out there who are saying, listen, we have to push them. We have to say things, you know, we have to make them afraid that we're going to take our vote away so that they will do what we need them to do. And I said, granted, if that's your strategy, you're not sharing that with everyone in the room. Mm. You don't realize that you are encouraging hundreds of thousands of people to not participate, even though you yourself are going to participate, but you're using this as some kind of tactic or some kind of ploy to get what you want out of the Democratic Party now. And then they go, well, the election is in a year, so sentiment may change. Sure. But there's always going to be somebody who is going to stand ten toes down in the feeling that they had when y'all were telling them not to vote for Joe Biden. They're going to be like, no, I'm not a hypocrite. I said this and this is what I'm going to stick by. I think it's dangerous. I understand. I fully understand how people feel about this. I'm not trying to say I understand exactly, but. I am a Black woman in America. I understand how it feels to see your people literally destroyed by a system who thinks it's doing what's right. Like, we've been in the streets screaming about the police brutality since before color television, let alone the internet, you know, like- People think that what's going on in the black community just happened. No, the only thing new here are the phones, baby. We've and you know, as soon as I remind them, I was like, don't forget we had Rodney King on tape. You know, <laughs> yes. like like let let and PS, that was the first time somebody caught that on tape. We have been going through this since 1865. Yet and still we showed up to practice the civic uh duty that we had to try to inch closer toward some type of relief from this oppressive system. and I I will not stand and tell anybody in the Palestinian community what they should or should not do. What I will say is not voting for Joe Biden is putting your people in more danger. It's one of the reasons why I also want us, even though you know he is the topic du jour and he is the biggest threat. I want us to stop talking about Donald Trump and talk about the Republican Party as a whole because they have demonstrated that it doesn't matter who's at the who the masthead is anymore. They have plans to oppress people. They have people who want to do things in this country that are going to make sure that segments of this country are forever uh, suppressed and oppressed. And we have to look at it in a holistic sense. And the Palestinian Americans here, they have to know that the GOP is not on your side either. Let's put feelings to the side here and let's be practical. If you're not voting for these, voting for these people, you're not saying, I love everything you're doing and I condone it. That's not what you're doing. You're saying, look, these are my choices. This is the hard choice I have to make. But when I make this choice, I'm also going to let you know, if you don't do what I need you to do, you're getting fired in two years, and I'm going to replace you with someone else that is going to do it. And I'm willing to come back every two years and do this until I get what I need, until I get what I want, until I get what my money is paying for.
0: It's very hard at times to hear someone espouse uh, uh, what, to you and me, is a practical sensible defense of democracy by saying mm-hmm. you can't vote for republicans they have shown you what they are going to do they're going sh- to they, yeah. they they have shown you that they are going to erase democratic norms if they haven't already it, it I know it's hard for people to hear oh wait so then I'm just supposed to vote for Democrats well when democracy's on the line who's the party yeah, that's right. going to stand up and say we're gonna keep our Republic the way Ben Franklin said you know it's a republic if you can keep it also I, I wish more leaders would think that way I really am I'm just stuck that at a moment of real vulnerability, for her community representative Rashida Tlaib she could very well have stood up and said I'm outraged at the support that the IDF and the Israeli government is getting from my government and I plan on holding Mm -hmm. this president responsible for the decisions made and when we show up and we should and vote mm-hmm. for for the president he's going to know that job one on you know January 21st you know 2025, mm-hmm. like, 2025. like like please yep. just think like a leader and not like a person that needs to raise money yes. on that bit i will digress mm-hmm. because i do want to ask you about third party presidential candidates mm-hmm. and man when like a week or so ago, I saw some news report about how Jill Stein is planning on running my uh, no, not hand her. to yeah, God. Yeah. My first thought was, you lame ass trick. Are you still here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you doing? Ariana, what are you doing here? Uh, like, why is she around? Uh, I just, I, it's, it's money. It's money. Like at the end of the day, it's money. Third parties, like, and that's the thing that I want to impress upon everyone. Third parties are a pipe dream right now. And I'm not saying that to be mean, and I'm not saying that to disrespect anyone's opinions or anyone's proclivities towards um, like disengaging from the two-party system. Again, I'm not a party person. I think we should get rid of the two-party system, too. I am all for rank choice. I am all for popular vote. I'm all for that. But the system we have right now is a system we have. Like, I so, and we can't change it until we can change it. And we can't change it until we get enough people in there to overpower the people who want this system to be the only system because they can manipulate it, you know? Here's the danger we face with RFK and uh, Jill Stein. If neither Joe Biden or whoever the Republican frontrunner is going to be, because I'm still holding out hope again, my Pollyanna brain, I'm holding out hope that. Orange Demon's going to be in jail somewhere. If neither Joe Biden or the GOP person get to 270, the president will be decided by the House of Representatives. Yes, it will. And people don't a lot of people do not know that. It's in, like because no civics or they don't, you know, they don't care. If you don't give your vote to one of the two people who can win number one and also give it to the one person who will defeat those who want to oppress us. Third party is going to throw a monkey wrench into the system that you are not ready for the fallout for, and obviously staying home is going to help the GOP win because they're going to get more votes. We cannot do third party. RFK is coasting off of his name. This man is a nut job to me. Like I actually, I went in and I was objective, and I was like, "Well, let me see what he's talking about. Let me just see what he's hmm. saying." He's a nut job. He sure is. Absolutely not. And Jill Stein. Get out of here. Get out of here. Girl, get out of here. You've we've already found links between you and Russia. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> Joe Manchin like, is the most troubling of of all the f- potential oh, third party candidates because, you know, he'll have that no labels money behind him. I just I, I would sleep better at night if I did not have to rely on his subscription to institutional norms and that if push Uh came to shove, he would say, for the good of the country, I'm going to do this Uh another time. But I don't count on that because that fool, man, he lives on a big, rich houseboat. He ain't a man of the people. Yes. Uh, Since you brought it up a couple of times, I will share that on this program, uh, we don't take being called Pollyanna as a pejorative. She is one of the greatest characters from literature. Her, her belief in positivity could not be deterred. Yeah. And uh, I would wear that as a badge of honor if anyone hurled that at me. I absolutely agree that heading into the most important presidential cycle that we this country might ever have, third party candidates are going to just play spoiler But having said that, I want to acknowledge the hypocrisy of the giddiness I felt when I saw a report this morning. You know, uh, former Wyoming representative Liz Cheney, who was unceremoniously shown the door by the MAGA set in her own party... she is one of the greatest defenders of democracy that the modern country has ever seen. If you haven't figured it out now, I'm a pretty progressive liberal. I mean, I, I've said mm-hmm. on this thing before, yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a lefty liberal, pinko commie, homo-loving Obama mm-hmm. voter, and I ain't, right. It, right? <laughs> I ain't afraid to say it, right?
1: I ain't afraid to say it. However,
0: uh, one day Liz Cheney's going to really run for president, and I would be hard-pressed to find a reason to not vote for her. They're going to write books about what she has done in defense of democracy. Yeah. And to that end, she has announced that she will seriously consider an independent run to do nothing more than siphon Republican votes away from. Donald Trump. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. that it will come to that. I, I certainly hope that we will just have what we are built to accommodate right now, which is what you've said mm-hmm. with an electoral college and an, our electoral voting process is best run when there are two nominees to select from. It's going to be a long 11 months. Breathe and listen to your spouses. People. Hopefully they, <laughs> hopefully they're the same, the same ones like, uh, like ours are. <laughs> They'll keep you sane. I hope so. Yeah. Kelly. Uh, I always like to ask people, uh, uh, as we as we start to land the plane on our wonderful conversation what's on your radar that you're psyched about what's coming up for you that uh, that's giving you life
1: so what i'm psyched about um and i'm i'm trying to manage my own expectations of it but i am putting together some things for a youtube series that i am again trying to like you say flip it on its head i'm trying to show people in an unconventional yet funny way just how much we are these people's bosses so i'm trying to put together a little skit type thing on youtube that i'm gonna make it a series basically try to help people out and try to help them see what these legislators are doing what their record is and whether or not you should vote for someone who has demonstrated they have this level of competency or incompetence hopefully when i start putting it out there It'll make more light bulbs go off and let people know that this is my country. It, this is my government. I do have this power. And yes, I'm going to show up and fire you because you are incompetent. Because at the end of the day, that's what voting is. So i'm I'm trying to put something together. I'm kind of psyched about it. I might be the only one that thinks it's funny, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping I'm hoping it brings I like I always tell people, I want you to laugh into learning something.
0: That sounds amazing. Uh, and by the way, I will be sharing all your social channels in the in the <laughs> notes Yay. to steer people towards uh, towards what you're saying and in some cases shouting about, but all, <laughs> all in an effort to highlight the importance of people's participation yeah. in the electoral process in this country. You know, this country yes. is an idea and a good one that's right. It, that's right and it requires everyone to roll up their sleeves and do their thing kelly you are as dedicated an american as i've met so far as with in these conversations i'm so thrilled that you and i made the I'm connection trying. you are you're you're not just trying you're doing, uh, and and I mean it, friends. <laughs> well, I appreciate go that. go check out what Kelly's uh, d- shouting at the top of her lungs in some cases <laughs> about, uh, you know, on her Insta feed, on TikTok, on her YouTube channel. Kelly and Huff, you. you really that. are an amazing American. Thank you so much for being on Flip It On Its Head.
1: Thank you, thank you, Reese, and Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today. It was great.
0: I'm so glad I got a chance to connect with Kelly to talk about the most vital privilege we have as Americans, our ability to, as she says, hire and fire our very leaders. And on top of all her social channels on TikTok, Insta, Twitter, and YouTube, I'll also share the link to vote.org, a nonpartisan website where you can register, check your registration, locate your polling place, and more. This episode was produced and edited by me, Reese Gulchin. The music, as always, Jess Guys, In Step, off his 2022 album Macbeth, available wherever you buy, download, or stream your music. Thanks so much for listening to Flip It On Its Head. I'll see you next time.